Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, jeez, don't you know it? Yeah, I'm Kenyon. Oh, you are on the ball. I'm Lucy. Oh, you're also on the ball. I'm Amanda. <laughs> hey, you're on the ball too. We're right on before the, this, this recording, we ball. were all doing our best James Blunt impressions. Yeah, 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 on the ball. <laughs> yeah, on the ball. It's right. <laughs> it's one and crime. <laughs> you're both really good at it, and it's kind of alarming. <laughs> Okay, this week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Gabby Muller or oh. Mueller. 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 Gabby, Gabby M. Gabby M. Gabby, maybe it's Gabby. Gabby. Jabby. Jabby. Jabby has selected the topic of... Poor Jabby. <laughs> Law and Order SVU crimes. Oh, I SVU what you did there. I binge watch old rerun episodes of SVU every oh, time yeah. I go to my mom's house. Every time I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Sure, that too. <laughs> I had never seen a single episode before mm. yesterday, wow. and I decided wow. that I should get into the groove. I am not a fan of like scripted primetime basic cable dramas. Mm. I just love really procedural television. Yeah, it's there's something comforting about it. I'm yeah. not like a big law and order person. I, I like my crime dramas to be a little bit darker. Yeah. Uh, if it's not mayor, then it's not going to do it yeah, for me. I don't watch. I literally just watch it at my mom's house on mm -hmm. the couch all day. You know, it, I could see myself absolutely watching it if I were like stricken with the flu and sure. I was yeah. in bed in and out of lucidity for like 72 hours. Then it would yeah. be the perfect thing to just right. have on. Yes. It's mm -hmm. just on in the background. It's just white noise. Mm -hmm. Elliot Stabler could get it. Oh, that dead ass. Dead ass. Dead ass has been making such a comeback. The bubblest butt. It is mm -hmm. gorge. He's got yeah. a, a globe mm -hmm. on his backside. I mm -hmm. love. Yeah. I love. Yeah. yeah. I also just want to do a quick disclaimer at the top here that there is a podcast that exists that is on the Exactly Right Network. It's called <gasps> That's Messed Up. And they basically like, I haven't listened to it yet because I'm super behind in my listening. But mm -hmm. I think that they, each episode is around a different Law & Order Episode. Oh, cool. I think I so didn't too. know that. Yeah, so we're not it's we're not new. trying. It's pretty new. We're not trying to like rip their shit. This is just one episode. My yeah. case is very SVU focused. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was but, a fan pick, so blame Jabby. Yeah. Blame Jabby. But also, <laughs> if you like this, then you should probably go check out their mm. podcast. I bet it's great, and I want to mm. check it out myself. So. Yeah. 
Well, that is exactly right. <laughs> Which we are Good not job. affiliated with, but we are big fans of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All oh, right. I love Should it. Should we get right to the wine crime pairing, Amanda? Yay. Let's do it. You know, our fan picker wanted us to honor Olivia Benson. Mm, love. By choosing her The lip fave. liner game. Oh, it's strong. She's hot. She's Mm -hmm. so gorgeous. It's like not even fair. But uh, her go-to varietal is Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. And I happened, little Cab Sav, I happened to have one from our friends over at Wink Wine Club that I have. Oh, that's a real good one. It is really good. And I feel like it's actually, it's sadly sold out right now, but I have it like in my, this is one of my favorites. So if Mm -hmm. I don't pick a wine, just plop this in my cart. Yeah, so I have a, a little stockpile of the Mercana mm-hmm. cab uh, sauv, but my God, mm-hmm. it is so good. And like, definitely, if you are not a member of Wink Wine Club, join so that you can keep an eye out for this when it comes back in stock because it's so worth it. And right now we are running an amazing special where if you head to trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special, because it's a special. It's special. It's special. You get four bottles for twenty nine ninety five and free shipping. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a steal of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's like such a steal it could be featured on an episode of Law and Order. Yeah, it's <laughs> criminal. It's criminal. It's a criminal steal. Special vineyards unit. Correct. <laughs> SVU. So a little <laughs> nicely done. Thank you for the assist. Yeah. A little something about this wine. It's going to be, you know, more medium bodied. It's nice and dry, so it's not going to be sweet, but it is fruit forward. It has notes of cranberry, pomegranate, red cherry, but it's balanced out by that like earthiness of red pepper. My mouth is fucking watering just Mm -hmm. actually talking about this. This is used with vegan winemaking, so Mm. vegans can drink this bad boy. It clocks in at 13.9% ABV. It's also... A crack. We haven't had a nice crack in a while. And yeah, like I said, you're just going to have this really nice kind of classic velvety red fruit, like fruit forward, nice, bold Mm -hmm. cab. But it's not going to knock you on your ass. And it pairs really nicely with things that we all love, like pizza and pasta. Mm -hmm. Can you remind me briefly what makes a wine not vegan? So they can use fish byproduct in the filtration process of wine. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's like the most common not vegan wine mm-hmm. practice. Gotcha. It's sustainable, but it's not vegan. Okay. But this one is vegan. And is there anything more Merkin than Law and Order? I don't know if there oh, is. Mer- American. Like Americana. <laughs> I love it. I thought you were talking about Merkins. Like, we- like, like no. adjust your Merkins. I haven't Merkin. got that episode yet. We will get to Merkins in my next drunk dive. Holy yes. dip. God. <laughs> Sir, you're Merkin. All right. So shall we crack? Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Here we go. I'm drinking a Jack and Coke. Oh, that's very refreshing. So Ooh, that crack was gentle, Woo. but it happened. Nice oh, shit. crack. Sorry, I talked nice over crack. it. That's fine. I'm just going to get some ASMR. We're pouring the wine. And if you're watching from home, you can see this happening in real time. Oh, that's nice. 
<laughs> oh, she's look how like inky and gorgeous mm-hmm. this is. It's a really pretty Ooh. color. That's like the color that I want my nails to be all mm, winter. All the time. Yeah. It's yeah. like the color of coagulated blood on the sidewalk after the young woman leapt from her apartment window. Okay. Yeah, I saw that episode. Lucy. It's like well, 30% cheers, of the episode. Cheers. My God. <laughs> Lucy, what is our background and probably not psych for law and order SVU crimes? Mm. Kind of all over the place on this one. Great. So Great. get ready. I have quite a few really fun facts for you. Okay. I love it. In the criminal justice system, (laughs) sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. In New York City, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Special Victims Victims Unit. These are their stories. Oh, oh, we used too much of it. We don't want to get sued. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. I can yeah. sing it, though. We'll just, we'll just do it with a voice flute. <laughs> Created by Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. <laughs> Oh. Law and orders. What? I also wanted what? to say quick. <laughs> Already? What? So Zach's mom is a location scout for TV and movies. Mm-hmm. And back and in like. my dream woman. Yeah. And back in like her <laughs> heyday of doing that job, because now she, you know, she doesn't work full time at that anymore. But when she was, she did a lot of location scouting for law and order. So then she would know that they film most of their scenes in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where all the crime happens. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect? What do you okay. expect? Law and Order Special Victims Unit premiered on September 20th, 1999. I can't. On NBC. With a Y2K episode. I'm sure. <laughs> it's a spinoff of regular Law and Order, which ran from 1990 to 2010. At the time, it tied with Gunsmoke for the longest-running dramatic show on television history, making it one of television's most successful franchises. Mm. It has been nominated for the most consecutive Emmy Awards of any primetime drama series. And now, Law & Order SVU is the longest-running scripted primetime drama, having aired 494 episodes, breaking the original Law & Order count to 456 and beating both the original Law and & Order and Gunsmoke in number of seasons. Wow. There have also been, I think, more than four, but four main spinoffs that have all since been canceled. So those include Law & Order Criminal Intent, mm-hmm. Law & Order Trial by Jury, Law & Order UK, and mm. Law & Order Los Angeles. Aha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lots of spinoffs. But this was also like a fucking moneymaker, probably for the reasons, like I said, mm. you can just... Have the flu and zone out and watch like right. 16 yeah. seasons. It's great. This hard-hitting and emotional series from NBC's Law & Order brand chronicles the lives of the Special Victims Unit of the New York City Police Department, mm. an elite squad of detectives who investigate crimes of sexual assault, child abuse, and domestic violence. It stars Mariska Hargitay. Correct. I was practicing that. You did great. 
As one-time lead detective and later Captain Olivia Benson, the commanding officer of the Special Victims Unit in a fictionalized version of the NYPD. Mm. Christopher Maloney, a.k.a. Badass. Hot Pants. A.k.a. Cupcake Maloney. Seriously. (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) That ass should be illegal and needs its own zip code. It needs its own own Emmy. Yes. It needs its own SAG. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, accurate. But ironically, she's taught. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Cute butt Maloney played the other SVU lead detective, Elliot Stabler, until departing from the series in 2011 after 12 seasons. Mm-hmm. Maloney returned to star as Stabler in 2021 in the spinoff series Law & Order Organized Crime. It's a new spinoff. I have seen the first couple of episodes. Yeah. I think not it gonna launched give in anything. like April. Yeah, mm. not going to give anything away, but they did his character dirty. This is what I have heard. But it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I feel like Stabler would bounce back. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's tough. Law & Order SVU follows the style of the original Law & Order in that some episodes are loosely based on real crimes that have received media attention. These episodes are referred to as having been ripped from the headlines. Oh, wow. Such episodes take a real crime and fictionalize it by changing some details. Sometimes Mm. a lot. Of details. Yeah. It's fiction. Sometimes all of them. They did an episode that I watched a little while back that was like loosely based on the Bachelor franchise. That Mm. was a hoot. Mm, Okay. I like that. They did one that was definitely based on uh, Dead Fish Eyes, Robert Durst. Oh, yeah. They did one that was based on piece of shit swimmer rapist. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rapist, piece of shit, yeah. swimmer rapist. Mm-hmm. That's all right. you need to know. We got yeah, it right. We got it. Yep. The series has received 91 award nominations and winning 33 of those awards. Mariska Hargitay mm-hmm. was the first regular cast member on any Law & Order series to win an Emmy Award when she won the Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 2006. So well wow. earned. Uh, by the 17th season of SVU, Mariska was making a half million dollars per episode. Nice. Fucking get it. Get it. Mm-hmm. Bank that shit. Mm-hmm. That's so much money. Cheers to you, Mariska. And your paper. Detective Benson. The Law & Order brand has tremendous global appeal, and to date, SVU has been sold to more than 250 territories around the world. Wow. Yeah. Russia has its own spinoff. Nice. That's amazing. Okay. This... That's really all I had to say about the show. Great. Okay. So I decided to do some digging into... Our friend Dick Wolf. Nice. Great name. Mm-hmm. Can see the font. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So clearly in mm-hmm. my mind's eye. Yes. Yeah. Dick is the creator of the Law & Order franchise. Born in New York City in 1943, Dick started his career as a copywriter at Benton & Bowles Advertising Agency. Mm. He is credited for coming up with the wildly successful Crest campaign slogan, you can't beat Crest for fighting cavities. Wow. That's a slogan? That Groundbreaking. Like a okay. It just sounds Not like Not your a best work, Dick. Yeah. Well, it might be because mm-hmm. buckle up for this one. Dick is also credited for coming up with the 
I'm Cheryl Fly Me advertising campaign for National Airlines in 1971. So this is a little throwback to our flight attendant crimes episode. Oh, no. Remember when we talked about the overt sexualization of yes. flight attendants oh, in like the no. 60s and 70s? Mm-hmm. Dick, you yeah. should be a you should be a case on SVU. Yeah, uh, creepy dick crimes. This specific ad campaign was a big part of that issue. There is a picture on the drive, which will be on the blog, which is, uh, I labeled it Cheryl. Mm. So it's a picture of a woman's face. She's presumably, she's a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm Cheryl, fly me. Ugh. And then nope. it says, you think I'm just another pretty face? I'm not. I'm a fresh attitude towards air travel. Mm-hmm. And then more shit. It's disgusting. So here is an excerpt from a 2018 Jezebel article. In 1971, National Airlines introduced the new slogan, Fly Me. The first print advertisement featured a photographic close-up of Cheryl Fioravante, a freckle-faced stewardess with a boyish coiffure, smiling innocently. Hi, I'm Cheryl. Fly Me. The ad read in large black boldface. Subsequent ads invited travelers to, quote unquote, fly other fresh faced stewardesses like Joe and Laura. How about Joe we get some Laura. male pilots up in this bitch? Ugh. Hi, yeah. or I'm male Todd. flight fly attendants. Me. Or it's a plane. It doesn't yeah. need to be sexual. Jesus well, Christ. Tell that to Chuck Tingle. Mm hmm. Well, Chuck Tingle is Can the exception it. that proves uh, the rule. Mm hmm. Yeah, this was an honest attempt at (laughs) selling more flights. Yeah. The innuendo-laden campaign cost National a small fortune. They spent over $9 million a year on the ads, but it ended up paying off. The National Organization for Women objected to the ads, calling them sexist, saying that they presented flight attendants as a, quote, flying meat market and invited passengers to make sexual advances. Nevertheless, the Fly Me series raised the carrier's profile and won a handful of advertising awards. Oh, color me shacked. Mm -hmm. Advertising the bodies of women employees was good for business. Mm -hmm. Though the Fly Me campaign is now displayed on a number of websites, often as a glaring example of outdated sexism. At the time, Fly Me reflected the widespread sexualization of flight attendants, which belied the harsh working conditions that these women negotiated while flying the unfriendly skies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you be- imagine just like the number of like gross businessmen dudes on and like their third martini up in the sky oh. just grabbing, smoking grabbing cigarettes. Yeah. And then their flight attendant uniforms at the time yeah. could have been hot pants. Pretty and, like, uh, suggestive busty. stuff. Yeah. It was very a- intentional. Licensed to grope women on an airplane. Right. Hooters right. in the sky. Right, with diamonds. Yes. So that began to change in the mid-1960s when flight attendants mounted an organized push against their employers and ultimately improved their workplaces. So obviously it was a slow improvement because this slogan happened in 1971. Right, took a minute. And that's our friend little Dickie Wolf there. So, well, hopefully he grew up and learned that that's bad i gotta say though (laughs) since i started since i started watching svu from season one episode one Mm. the language that they use 
involving sex workers and just mm-hmm. women in general, the fact mm-hmm. that Olivia gets hit on by like every single male character right. in every single episode. There could absolutely be, and it probably exists, some sort of PhD thesis probably. analyzing like social trends around like gender dynamics. If Scott and- could write like one of his PhD level pieces on like what Miley Cyrus that I'm sure somebody has yeah but it really like because if you watch episodes like 10 years in Mm -hmm. they call out a lot of shit yeah and they Mm -hmm. start to like get shit on they try to get more woke yeah it's really well I'm sure but Mm -hmm. uh just remember that the guy I'm Cheryl fly me also wrote (laughs) the original well, okay, so during his copywriting days, he wrote a number of books, including the nonfiction book called Law and Order, colon, Crime Scenes, mm. which obviously became the basis for the show. Surprise, there he- could be an entire book just about colon crime scenes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we can do a whole episode on colon crimes, yeah. anything I mean, is possible. I mean, <laughs> a lot happens in the colon. <laughs> the colon is multifaceted. She's busy. She's busy. So he wrote a couple of other fiction books in a volume, a thriller volume series, and those were called The Intercept, The Execution, and The Ultimatum. Sure, but what I'm trying okay. to say, this was all based on a book that he wrote. You got your female characters. It started as regular Law and Order, but the fact that it even branched out into like a sexual victims right. mm-hmm. franchise in the first place. I guess what I'm trying to say, these Early episodes really reminded me of those like erotic true detective magazines that I Mm -hmm. bet he maybe grew up with Mm -hmm. that just really it like has this macho male detective and then these like pulpy Mm -hmm. like these female victims and like. Oh, she's not wearing underwear. She must be a slut, a streetwalker. Like, yeah, lots yeah. of that room kind for of stuff. growth. A lot of Munch saying the word "hooker" with like a yeah. very specific inflection that yeah. everybody streetwalker, hooker, lady mm. of the night, mm-hmm. things like that. Just like a lot Could of room not. for growth. Yeah, a lot of room for growth. But I just wanted to point out that. Dick Wolf was behind that particular marketing campaign that we did discuss in a previous episode, which is really fucking gross. Mm -hmm. Dick Wolf. Yeah, you don't want to come up on two episodes of Wine and Crime. Yeah. No. 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 So to end on a happier note, this is the single weirdest fact that I think we could ever possibly imagine about Law and Order. So this is from a Mental Floss article. Okay. Call it the dun-dun. The chunk chunk or the thunk thunk. The iconic law and order sound was meant to imitate the sound of a jail cell slamming shut, says show producer Mike Post, who's the one who created it. Mm -hmm. The sound is a synthesized effect that combines about seven different sounds, including, get ready for this, including the sound of 500 Japanese men stamping their feet on a wooden floor. What? What? For real? (laughs) Yes. That's real. Hey, get inspiration right where you live. <laughs> Good for you, honey. So the creator of the sound tells Entertainment Weekly in 1993, quote, it was a sort of monstrous kabuki event, probably one of those large dance classes that they hold. They did this whole big stamp. Somebody went out and sampled that noise. Huh. And then he included it in the dun-dun. 
along with other sounds. So it's along with like six other sounds. Melting pot of sounds. That is fascinating. That sound is very hard to imitate. So weird and funny like that. Yeah, and here's a bonus, literally. Post, who also wrote the show's theme song, gets a separate royalty credit every time the dun-dun sound is used. Wow. Nice. Get it, Post. As well you should, Posty. Yeah. yeah. So right. that's all I have to say about Law & Order SVU. <laughs> that was that's plenty. A, I mean, I learned a lot. I'm a little yeah. bummed out, but I learned mm-hmm. a lot. 500 right. Japanese men. Wow. Dun-dun. Yeah. That's amazing. So fucking weird. I just never thought about what would have been used to make that sound. Right. I always just assumed it was some sort of like augmented guitar riff. Right. I That'd never thought That'd be a fun fact it. for Bill because he mm-hmm. does a lot of oh, yeah. video oh, stuff. Oh, I'm totally going to ask him that when we're done recording this. Duh. Mm-hmm. And we did used to watch a lot of SVU. You're going to ask I'll give him you- to get 500 men in a room and have them stomp? <laughs> You should be like, I'll give you three guesses Mm -hmm. what one of the seven sound effects synthesized (laughs) to create Mm -hmm. the dun-dun. I'm being very generous with all these guesses (laughs) that I'm allowing you. Warmer. What if colder? What if if he got it on the first guess? Honestly, like part of it wouldn't surprise me if he did. (laughs) It's so random. It's that is so random. Oh, well, okay. There you go. There you I go. <laughs> Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Let's do it. Dun, dun. If quality and craftsmanship are important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and Wine glasses. Oh, you feel like a freaking pro with Michelin star. Oh, yeah. I feel so fancy. Made In produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. So there's no Mm. more like going to that fancy kitchen store and paying like an arm and a leg Mm -hmm. for something that you've already paid so much for, you're almost afraid to use it. Mm -hmm. Made-in products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from stovetop to the oven. I love that so much because that's how I personally cook my steaks. Yes, best way to finish a pork chop, too. Exactly. And then you don't have to transfer it. You don't have to lose those juices. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep the juices. Mm-hmm. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and they stay sharp. They have 28,000-plus five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at, like Amanda said, Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. This is no oh. joke. They're... Oh. They're they're just so high quality. They're so amazing. And they like they somehow make you cook better. Yes. It's incredible. So made in better cookware for better meals. Uh, and right now, made in is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code GALS. This is the best discount available anywhere online for made in products. So don't sleep on this one, folks. Go to madeincookware.com forward slash gals and use promo code gals for 15% off your first order. One more time, that's madeincookware.com forward slash gals, promo code gals, and treat your cooking. Treat it. 
Everyone needs an escape, but you know, these days, an escape can be hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Everyone's coming back out into the world. There's maybe some social anxiety. You're like, maybe can I just crawl back into my hole and Mm -hmm. just stay there a little bit longer? So yes, you do need an escape. And so enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Okay, well, sign me up. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush that you never made a move on, or if you did try to make a move on him, you ran into a table in the lunchroom, and then that kind of ended things. Um... Or that coworker that you always had a little thing for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. Oh my. Maybe. <laughs> they release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you just need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. Oh, what could be better? Nothing. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. One more time, that's dipsystories.com slash gals and treat your wellness. Treat it. Are we ready for my case? Are you ready to be really bummed out? Yes. Always. I have grown accustomed to this. Honestly, when you (laughs) bum me out, it feels a little less like a bummer. Aww, okay. That's sweet almost. I'm so kind used to of. It. <laughs> because we're so hardened to I'm you. I'm just numb. I'm just numb. <laughs> I said that's love and Lucy goes, "I'm just numb." <laughs> <laughs> I am dead so, inside. Ships in the night. Oh. I still love you. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, case really bad, really awful. Also, Preface, I read an article that said this particular episode of Law & Order SVU was based on this case. Okay. Then after I wrote my notes, I found that episode and bought it for $2.99. Duh. So I will be billing the company They're all on Hulu. Of course. Did you know that? Yeah, they are all on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. Ah. So. I do. Well, $2.99. I think we can handle it. Um. (laughs) I watched an invoice. 75% of the episode before we started this episode. And it has like almost nothing to do with the case. Mm. <laughs> okay. Great. Like it's very, very loosely based on the case. Okay. But I did my best. Mm-hmm. So are you going to be reading the screenplay of the episode or telling us about the thing that actually happened? Do the, the other thing that part. actually happened. Oh, fine. Yeah. And then I will tell you like the one dangling piece that, has, that that they took and made into the episode. Okay. There was a woman involved. Right. There was a rape. Oh. So in the summer of 1973, 26-year-old Kathleen Ham 
was living in an apartment in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. Mm -hmm, Like you do. Like you do. She had recently moved to the city from Berkeley, California, where she had attended college. She was hoping to pursue a career in publishing, which was like still an industry then. Mm Mm-hmm. And had recently found it's a job still as an a- industry. <laughs> I'm just being mean. <laughs> and had recently found a job as an editor. So she's like this high flyer, did well in school, getting her career going mid 20s in New York, crushing it lady. Great. She was feeling optimistic about her new home and her career prospects. That is until the evening of June 26th when she became the victim of a horrifically violent attack. That would upend her life for decades to come. Okay. That evening, she went to bed as normal. She lived alone in her apartment, but woke up in the middle of the night and noticed a small light flickering on the fire escape outside her bedroom window. Ooh, I do not like a small light. Still groggy (laughs) from sleep, she then realized that attached to the small light was a hand. Somebody was on her fire escape smoking a cigarette. Okay, get out of my house. My fire escape. Yeah. Before she had time to react to this realization, the man on the fire escape had smashed through the window, was inside her bedroom, and was now rushing towards her as she was, like, in bed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Too tired for that. No. He's trying to fucking sleep. Why are men, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kathleen later recalled that, quote, there was a huge struggle and he had a knife, And then he threw a sheet over my head. At first, I was screaming until he finally managed to get the knife to my throat, like over the sheet, but she could tell it was the knife. Yeah. And then he raped me. I became prey at that point, and it's a terrifying, terrifying feeling. Yep. Poor thing. She screamed loudly enough during the struggle that luckily she was overheard by her neighbor who called 911. Police actually arrived on the scene quickly enough that Kathleen's attacker was actually still in her apartment when the police got to the building. Wow. Everything happened really fast, and everybody kind of acted The way they're supposed to for once. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the neighbor... Like, I don't blame the neighbor for for not going inside. Right. They, like, heard the screaming, called 911. Police got there really fast. Mm -hmm. The two officers who answered the call, Rosie Snipes and Abe, I think it's Mingola. It might be Minjola. I don't know. Abe. Honest Abe. Split up when they got to the building. So Mingola went up the fire escape and Snipes entered through the building's front door. So they wanted to like be at both. Yeah. Corner of someone, uh, hopefully. Yeah. When Mingola reached Kathleen's window, he was able to see Kathleen and her attacker still in the bedroom. Wow. So he literally saw, the the officer saw this attack still in progress. Good God. Upon seeing the officer, the attacker fled out of the apartment door. So fled out of the front door. He rushed past Snipes, who immediately began pursuing him, soon joined by Mingola. But the attacker is like a bigger dude. Sure. I'm assuming taller than Rosie mm-hmm. Snipes, the officer. So he has like, he was running faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The two officers chased the man down several streets until they were able to overtake him and apprehend him. Get wow. Him. They literally caught him. Wow. Great. And they saw the attack happen. This is how police work is supposed to happen. Right? <laughs> Both officers so far, were anyway. 
sure that this would be an open and shut case, right? right? Like, it was I mean, like don't in get, progress. Like, how often does that even happen? Yeah. Right. You have two officers witness a rape in progress. The cops and then you call the attacker are your witnesses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't get you know much clearer than that. Mm. Mingola had witnessed the man with his own eyes in Kathleen's bedroom, and they had pursued him straight from the crime scene. There was no possibility that this was a case of mistaken identity. Okay. Rosie Snipes later said of the arrest, quote, I felt great, you know, because we were so sure we knew we had it. Right. Mingola added, quote, it was like a Christmas present, but things would not be so simple because fucking patriarchy. Oh, here we go. And although Kathleen had a positive experience with the cops who responded that night, she would end up having a radically different experience when she arrived at the hospital to seek treatment mm. after her attack. Great. Even though the emergency room at the hospital she went to was not crowded at the time, because it was like the middle of the night. Sure. She was essentially ignored by staff for over an hour. Jesus. When the doctors finally did see her, they showed her no sympathy for her situation. Because they she, knew she was raped? Well, we will get to it. Also, I should say Kathleen is white and her attacker is black. Mm -hmm. She explained in a later interview that, quote, depending on your personality, people really react in different ways to crisis mm. or like to trauma. Yeah. I'm one of these people who becomes very controlled and I wasn't crying. And because of the way I was acting, the doctors didn't believe me oh, that I was sake. raped. Oh, my God. Ugh, I hate this so much. Yeah. Despite the fact that I had marks on my neck and marks on my face, mm -hmm. and I heard them say, oh, she's too calm. She wasn't raped. Oh, that's disgusting. Can you imagine hearing that at the hospital after your rape? Yeah. Trying to get treatment. Oh. I just... We don't talk about it enough, but, like, law enforcement needs to do better and be better trained for handling these cases. But, like, so do medical professionals. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think it's come a long way, obviously, since then, since 1973. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's still a really long way to go. Especially for women of color. Mm -hmm. Well, she's white, but yes. Yeah, but... Yes, but in life. In life, yes. yeah. Yeah, and trans folks, all kinds of folks, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. So... At this point in time, there was no set protocol for examining rape victims for evidence, which now there are. It's like now it's like, OK, this is how you process mm -hmm. like a, a rape kit for sure. like an examination, which is still very traumatic yes. for victims. Yes. But there are procedures mm -hmm. that people are trained in. And like, this is the first step. This is the second step. This is how you preserve the evidence, whatever. Kathleen remembers the doctors proclaiming that they couldn't find semen. Therefore, she couldn't have been raped. Uh, Again, not how that works. No. Not how it works. Her attacker could have been wearing a condom, could have not ejaculated. Mm -hmm. Also, like, the doctors probably didn't know this, but, like, the attack was caught. Yep. Like, mid, mid attack. So, uh -huh. like, she probably didn't ejaculate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there were witnesses. Yep. Unfortunately, Kathleen's horrible hospital experience would be a harbinger of things to come. Great. I love Thank a you. harbinger. She's holding up a Believe Women sticker. Telegraphic, mm -hmm. too. It's cool. In 1974, the case against Clarence Williams, the man who had been arrested for her rape, went to trial. Kathleen agreed to appear in court to testify against him, which is a very difficult decision to begin with, and then even harder after you've been treated so poorly. Yeah. Like, by the system. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Although the arresting officers could positively identify Williams as Kathleen's attacker, there were a couple things preventing a conviction from being a slam dunk, especially given the high bar of evidence for rape trials at the time. So at the time, like just, I think just the victim's testimony and like eyewitness account like weren't enough. Like the witness had to like identify the attacker's face and there had to be another account and there had to be like some physical evidence. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Bunch of bullshit then. Yeah. So it just had to so, be a bunch of bullshit. Bunch of bullshit. For one, Kathleen herself had never gotten a good look at her attacker's face because her bedroom had been dark and he had almost immediately covered her head with a sheet. Sure. And she was like groggy and like coming right. to. And although some physical evidence had been found on Kathleen's underwear, this was before the days of DNA testing. Mm-hmm. So like and wouldn't evidence- have mattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so evidence could only indicate at the time the assailant's blood type. Mm-hmm. No other physical evidence, such as fingerprints, had been found at the scene. But instead of relying on these legitimate uncertainties to build a case, the defense mounted a prolonged attack on Kathleen. Mm. You don't say. Oh, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. It's so bad, you guys. You like, it's, it's so bad. She later recounted that quote, The first question is, your name and address. The second question is, this is on the stand, were you a virgin? Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. She's 26. That's, Not that it matters. That's worse like, than what were you wearing. Right. Like, yeah. And then it went on from that. I was brutalized on that stand. Yeah. Oh, poor Kathleen. Kathleen was forced to endure almost two full days on the witness stand responding to this line of blame the victim questioning. My God. The defense lawyer went so far as to argue that Kathleen was a sex worker and that Williams had been her pimp. Mm. Not that, I mean, that's not true at all, Mm -hmm. but like even if that had been true. You can still rape someone who is a sex worker. You can rape your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. He also repeatedly asked her, why she didn't run from Williams, implying that she had stayed in her bedroom. She called the cops. He had a knife. Implying that because she had stayed in her bedroom, she must have, quote, wanted it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, she, she so... wanted a stranger to climb in and break through her window in the middle of the night. Cool. Here's some more <laughs> ASMR. Yeah, man, it's just pouring more wine. Yeah. That is it some gets, people's kink, but if it's not a thousand percent consensual, yeah, yeah, you can it's consent no, to a no. role play. Yeah. That's not yeah. what this is. No. no. At one <sighs> point, the lawyer demanded to know why she hadn't simply left the room, asking her if both her legs had been broken. Oh. When Kathleen tried to respond by explaining that Williams had been restraining her and holding a knife to her throat... The lawyer cut her off by demanding nothing but a yes or no answer to whether her legs had been broken. Ew. Fuck. And also, I would like to fuck blame the fucking guy. judge. The oh, judge yeah, for allowing been like, that. You're out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck that. Not okay. Was this a juried trial? Yes, but it was an all-male jury. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah. Such a thing should not exist. Ugh. Right? All-male anything should not should exist. Should be illegal. <laughs> There's more. Everybody take a big gulp. I'm there's good. More. Let's do this. I might commit a murder. Murder. He murder. followed this Ugh. up. The legs thing followed this up with a quote demonstration in which he held up a needle like a sewing needle and a thread 
and repeatedly stated, you can't thread a moving needle. What Referring f- to penetration? Like vagina? Yeah. yeah, like if she had fought more and moved more. This is so goddamn disgusting. That's This is sick. I mean, it's sick. Mm-hmm. Meaning oh, that the only God. reason... And the only reason Kathleen had been raped was because she had chosen not to run away. And I just like, oh my it's God. so egregious. And I know that this used to happen. And I know that like versions oh, it of still this happens. still happens. Yes. It still happens. But like, yeah, I don't think it could. I just, I don't know. It maybe. could. Trust me, it could. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you think it couldn't. I think you shit like this, about this. Shit like this still does happen, but it maybe isn't as like. Mm-hmm. apparent like on the surface like it's more insidious now. ballsy yeah that you can't thread a moving needle Ugh. it's sexual I mean, assault that's, dude that's the same logic as who is it the the fucking some legislator who was like well women have like a, a defense mechanism oh, yeah. to sure. shut off becoming they just shut it down they can't get pregnant if it's a rape yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that it's that kind of shit yeah it's that shit Yeah. So following the eight day trial, the jury deliberated for two days, but was unable to agree on a verdict. Oh, Oh. wow. What a tough case. This is why men shouldn't be trusted with anything. Anything. Ever. Kathleen recalled of her response upon learning that the trial had resulted in a hung jury that, quote, I was. How? Yeah. Yeah. What? (laughs) I didn't even. Yeah. It doesn't get much more slam dunk than this. No. Yeah. Caught in the act. By two police officers. Uh Uh-huh. Quote, I was shattered. I lost all my self-confidence. You become very depressed. You feel nothing is worth it. I mean, I just kind of looked at life and said, it's really overrated. Oh, Oh, my heart. I got goosebumps. That's so sad. No one should have to go through that. I know. That thought process. No. When you're already recovering from so much trauma. Mm-hmm. Not long after the trial, Clarence Williams was arrested again, this time for a rape that he had committed while on bail awaiting trial for Kathleen's rape. Isn't it funny how if they had just convicted mm-hmm. the rapist that they he wouldn't have raped wouldn't more? Wouldn't have been able to rape weird. somebody else. Weird. Mm-hmm. Weird. Weird. I know, weird. Th- stay with me here. Mm-hmm. Wild. There's more. Oh, good. Upon his arrest for this second rape, he confessed to both rapes. Okay. Yep. Great. But he's but it's already been a hung jury for Kathleen's mm-hmm. case, so he can't be convicted or tried again for that rape. I don't know. Well, a hung no, jury automatically oh, yeah, means a new same. trial. Yeah. True. He, yeah. So it's just if you're convicted. Got so it. So he was it's not a double jeopardy situation. He was right. caught and arrested for this second rape. He was literally out on bail awaiting trial for Kathleen's rape when he committed the second rape. Sure. The second case was overturned on a technicality, and it was decided that both this second case and Kathleen's case would be retried. Okay. Kathleen, however, could not face the prospect of going through what she had been forced to endure at her well, first trial. Yeah, again. can you blame like, her? No, Poor could thing. easily decide that it would not be worth it. Yeah, I would not be able to sit on a no. stand and no, be no. questioned like that for two days, and I haven't mm-hmm. been a uh-uh. victim like this. Yeah. So she made the decision to leave New York and move back to California. She had like a stronger network of of people there. 
She was hoping to make a fresh start and put the entire nightmare behind her and hoping that there would be enough evidence against Clarence Williams in the second case to put him behind bars without her testimony. Right, right. But this would not be the case because Williams fled while out on bail the second time and disappeared. The fact that they let him out on bail... A yeah. second time when he committed this rape while and then he was out on bail to the a first second time. one. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. And confessed to both and they still let him out on bail. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I hate everything about this. Mm-hmm. So and how many people were complicit in all these decisions? Dozens. Oh, a f- yeah. An entire the system. Plus, plus the law. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. An entire system is complicit. A lot of judges, a lot of jury members. Defense attorneys, I can't, I mean, you got to defend your client, but I cannot. Mm-hmm. That is different than what this, that first guy did. Yeah. So Kathleen went to law school in California. She's trying to move on with her life. She was able to find career success, mm-hmm. but she kind of forever found that dating marriage or like any semblance of a social life was just hard pass in- impossible for her mm-hmm. after what she'd been through. So can't blame her for that. No. And she was still just like on edge all the time because she yeah. knew her attacker was out there somewhere and had just disappeared. Uh-huh. And not saying that any victim of sexual assault has ever deserved, but like no. she was sleeping at, in her home in her right. bed. Like what can she do differently? What can what could she possibly do differently to Right. To- it- Change. It's not victim blaming. It's like, what kind of prevention could how, she possibly how can have the trauma. It's, it's right. how can you even feel safe in your own home? Yeah. Right. And it, she couldn't. So my next line, she never recovered her ability to sleep, quote unquote, normally. Mm-hmm. She would either go to bed with a butcher knife close at hand or mm-hmm. sleep as close as possible to the front door so that she could flee if necessary. Oh, the poor thing. Oh, my God. And if you can't sleep. You're done. I mean, your mental your health over. is just yeah. going to suffer so much more. Yeah. Every physical health, every yeah. your career, your relationships, everything. everything. Mm-hmm. So in Kathleen's own words, quote, my life stopped at 26 years old. Oh, God. She directly attributed the fact that she never married to her rape, stating that, quote, I just didn't want to be kissed. I didn't mm-hmm. like to be touched by strangers. Cannot blame her for that. The lasting trauma of her attack affected her professional life as well. So she had to give up trial litigation. She'd gone to law school and was like really good at it. Mm -hmm. But she couldn't go into this whole field of the law Mm -hmm. because she had developed an intense phobia of entering courtrooms after the like added trauma that she had gone through on the witness stand. Probably also the fact that, I mean, it would be just a, a... landmines everywhere in terms of like sexual assault you know mm-hmm. depending exposed. on what kind of cases you you work on i don't know I, yeah I, I don't think like trademark lawyers have to deal right. with that a lot but like right. just being in the legal system right to, mm-hmm. to to have sensitivities and triggers on such a pretty general s- scale it's like, right oh yeah right and like people make fun of trigger warnings which they fucking shouldn't mm-hmm. but like this these kinds of like physical and mm-hmm. and psychological reactions to trauma are really real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like oh, yeah. should be respected. It's not people being overly sensitive. It's mm-hmm. like you don't know what this you just person can't has make been jokes through. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So then in 2005, 
32 years after her attack, My God. Kathleen received a phone call from a woman named Nancy Fisher, who had been her neighbor back in New York, and they like occasionally kept in touch over the years. Hmm. Nancy had recently received a phone call from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. They were looking for Kathleen Ham, but they He's were He's out, isn't he? Well, he was never in. Oh, that's right. They were having trouble finding Kathleen, so they were reaching out to old neighbors to see if anybody was still in touch and knew where to find her. So Nancy passed along Kathleen's contact info, but asked to be allowed to call her and be the person that broke the news to Kathleen. Right. That Clarence Williams, 32 years later, had finally been tracked down and apprehended. He'd been living in Atlanta as Fletcher Worrell. Oh, no. Which actually was his real name. And it turns what? out that Clarence Williams was an alias. He went through the whole fucking justice system that first time under a fucking fake name. They didn't fucking figure it out. Wow. It was the 70s. I guess. And I don't care. Still. <laughs> yeah. Some, yep. Not Girl. enough of an excuse. A whole lot of failures here. So many. So he's down in Atlanta. He's been living under his real name. That's how yeah. he disappeared, was just living under his own name for 32 years. Ugh. He tried to buy a gun, and the resulting background check revealed that he had a decades-old warrant under his actual name. Mm-hmm. So for some other fucking crime, who knows? Mm-hmm. And then they were able to, like, link the two identities together, I'm assuming, through DNA. Oh, you mean background checks are actually super beneficial when someone's trying to buy a fucking gun? Yeah, they're Who actually knew? pretty great. Even, yeah, yeah. So anyway, the district attorney called Kathleen to see if she would testify if they retried Worrell for rape. And bravely, she agreed. Oh, my God. But remember, her rape was 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. Thanks to advancements in DNA testing, there was now definitive physical evidence in the case. And Kathleen's underwear that she had been wearing the night of the rape were reexamined and they f- were found to have DNA that exactly matched to Fletcher Worrell. Okay. Slash Claire. Well, that's Williams. good. Yeah. The DNA evidence against Worrell did not stop with Kathleen's case. Oh, geez. According to New York Assistant District Attorney Martha Bashford, quote, when they got the DNA profile, that they were still able to pull from the pants after all those years, they entered into the National Data Bank. And the ripples kept spreading. Oh, no. It then matched. I I knew there were more people. Yeah. You usually don't just just randomly rape one person one time. Or two Two. Yeah. Two while you're out on bail for the first one. Just a couple. Uh Uh-huh. Just get it out of your system, you know. Mm -hmm. It's for funsies. It right away matched two cases in New Jersey, so two rapes from 1993, so decades, two, 20 years after his first, well, what we know was his first attack. Mm-hmm. Quote, incidents very similar to what happened to Ms. Ham. Overall, DNA evidence linked Worrell to 23 rapes. Oh, oh my God. Jesus. I knew it was going to be a lot, but I, like, wasn't prepared for that number. In Maryland and New Jersey and obviously New York, over a span of 30 years. Mm -hmm. And he had been referred to in Maryland as the Silver Springs Rapist. Oh, my God. He had a quippy name. name. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that Silver Springs Rapist never would have happened had they done their goddamn jobs. Had they put him away. Correct. Yeah. 
Oh, that poor woman. In the lead up to the trial, Kathleen made the decision to not only testify against Worrell, but to go public with her name, stating, quote, after 32 years, I had to say I have nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. If I were burglarized, you would use my name. Why the stigma? Right. Right. Oh, poor thing. Thankfully, enough had changed in 32 years that Kathleen was not forced to endure any attacks on her character during the second trial. And unlike the first trial when she had faced a judge and jury of entirely men, this trial had a female judge and seven women on the jury. Mm -hmm. Yes. What year was it? This was 32 years after 1973. So you do the math. A year. It was a year. Yeah, Oh, oh five. Oh, my God. Did you hear me just do math in my head? Yeah, that was pretty impressive. It was gorgeous. Stunning. So this time it took the jury only two hours to find Fletcher Worrell guilty of first degree rape and of robbery for four dollars that he had stolen from Kathleen while in her apartment that night. I think they just were like, tack on more charges. Yep, they, tack yeah. it on. Tack it on. Fuck That's by B&E. all means. Yeah. Ham stated, quote, it ended up being a very positive experience for me. I think the minute when I blurted out, you can use my name, I have nothing to be ashamed of, my whole life changed. Mm -hmm. When I said that, I got my voice back. I feel like I actually have something to say. Oh, Kathleen. Taking that power back. In response to Kathleen's story of waiting 32 years to see justice, Manhattan District Attorney Robert Morgenthau began lobbying to eliminate New York's five-year statute of limitations on first-degree rape. Yes. Correct. That is a stupid rule. Stupid fucking Five years is nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. Especially with years would be nothing. There shouldn't be one. No. It's a heinous crime. It's as bad as murder. It's a heinous fucking crime. Yes. Yep. As Assistant DA Martha Bashford explained, quote, the only reason we were able to get justice for Ms. Hamm was because her case had been indicted when it happened. Otherwise, Mm. even with the DNA, we couldn't have touched it. And he would have just been free. Jesus Christ. The only reason we were able, because her case had been indicted. Because they had had that first trial. Yeah. They were able to bypass that statute of limitations Mm -hmm. and, and retry it once they had the DNA. Was it because it ended up being a hung jury or because there was no conviction i think it was just because the process of trying him had started within the first five years after the attack oh okay so they were able to bypass the The statute statute of of limitations but if they hadn't had that first trial and they just like caught this guy who had raped 23 women and they knew it was him with this dna and all those cases were more than five years old he would have just been free Oh would have been nothing God, they could do about so it. That's so fucking gross. really bonkers. Yeah. The Ugh. National Organization for Women, who I used to intern for <laughs> in New York. They've been mentioned twice in this app. I know. Big app for now. Big app for now, NYC. Back to Morgenthau in this crusade of like getting rid of the statute of limitations. And they were able to succeed in persuading New York legislature to pass a law stating that first-degree rape, like murder would have no statute of limitations. Yes. Because yeah, it preach. fucking should. Yes. Yeah. Preach. An episode of SVU titled Limitations was supposedly loosely was inspired. Was a thousand percent frame for frame. <laughs> frame it's for frame. Shot for shot remake of this case. 
Supposedly inspired by Kathleen's story and the resulting legal changes, and it aired in the year 2000. I've watched the episode. It deals with a rapist with multiple victims and the five-year statute of limitations. It so is this Olivia plays Olivia plays Snipes and Wesley Snipes plays Abe. They don't even catch anybody in the act. There's no first trial. Is there a okay. small light? Well, no. <laughs> the mo is different. We we mi- we maybe missed a couple details, but you know what? <laughs> it happens. TV's hard. It was only TV's three. Hard. Maybe they didn't have three busy. cases in the show. People are busy. It's a lot. People yeah. are busy. <laughs> I don't know. I just think we're being too judgmental. Anyway, I think that Kathleen's case is actually. Should actually inspire an actual episode yeah. that actually deals with her case and the first yeah. trial. Kathleen's case is real intense. You could yeah. do costumes from the 70s. Oh. Everybody likes that. A little throwback app. Yeah. Anyway, Kathleen is a fucking badass. And mm-hmm. sadly, she passed away in January of this year, January 2021, at the age of 73. But she got her voice back. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she died with her voice. Yeah. Good for her. So that well, is my case. Wow. Cheers to Kathleen. Jesus Christ. Kathleen, baby. And that is. Fuck that needle thread lawyer right to seriously. hell. Fuck that defense attorney. I need to find out who he was. He's probably dead, but I fucking hope he's dead. Oh, wouldn't that be and great? And that jury. Just, yeah. Go fuck, fuck yourself. Them all. The like, judge to, that allowed it. Yeah. The people who let him out on bail. How many of them have daughters? Ugh. Ugh. Like, cool. I kind of hate it when people say that. It's like, well, they're yeah. humans. Doesn't have to be a girl or Doesn't your have to daughter. Have some but... relation to you to mm-hmm. have value and worth. Mm-hmm. But given how horrendous this all played out anyway, my mind is going to the wives and children of those fucking men on that jury. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. And I hope they, are. they should be yeah. ashamed of themselves. I hope they all have itches they can cannot scratch mm-hmm. for eternity. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I like I'm that. I'm fucking I'm cutthroat. Yeah. I'm a cutthroat bitch. Yeah. I'm good at cursing children. You're I'm good at cursing itch. men. Male Grown male men. jurors. Male rural jurors. Rural male jurors. Disappointments. All right. Should we hear wow. a quick word from our sponsors? Yes, Not less. Not <laughs> This men. episode brought to you by Not Men. <laughs> Next time someone says your outfit is trashy, first of all, get rid of that friend. Then say, thank you. Because Girlfriend Collective turns old plastic bottles, fishing nets, and other waste into clothing that you will never want to throw away. Oh, trashy is in, honey. Mm-hmm. So Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made activewear for everyone. They make cute and comfortable bras. Ever heard of a comfortable bra? Now you have. Uh. Leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, swimsuits, skorts, high, and more. And their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra small to 6XL. So whether you're working out, running errands, or doing nothing at all, which is my cup of tea, mm-hmm. Girlfriend Collective has functional fabrics, colors, and styles for any activity. Honestly, they have a wide range of colors that are super cute. Mm-hmm. I like this mint green. So cute. 
Their best-selling leggings are squat-proof. They come with pockets. Oh! And they have different levels of support, whether you need compression or comfort. They use recycled materials to make their clothing, and their shipping is 100% recyclable. So you don't have to, like, pull out the different elements of the of the shipping, the packaging, and be like, oh, I don't know if that's recyclable. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's just me. I do that. That's that's me. And Girlfriend Collective also has a garment take-back program called Re-Girlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, obviously a long time from now, you can send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. I love oh. that. I have the hardest time finding a place to recycle my textiles. Mm-hmm. They just make it so easy for you. So join the collective today. Yes, and for listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering first-time customers $25 off purchases of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash gals. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash gals. One more time, girlfriend.com slash gals and treat your fashion. Treat it. So we know that you know that you've heard us talking about Framebridge before. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it again. Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving your house, our favorite thing to do. I love not leaving my house. Oh, it's amazing. You can add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos you got just sitting on your phone collecting cyber dust. You Mm -hmm. can frame bridge just about anything. That is the truth. And here is how it works. You just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. You preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. You can choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. I love that option because Mm -hmm. I have ADHD. I get overwhelmed very easily. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes I just need a little bit of support. Yeah. Uh, The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. And when I tell you they say, like, ready to hang... Everything but the wall and the hammer. Oh yeah, are there? Like it is. It comes with all of the little, little pieces that you need to get your your picture up securely. I love it. And instead of the hundreds that you would pay at a framing store, their prices start at thirty nine dollars, and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get fifteen percent off their first order at FrameBridge.com when they use our code GALS. Honestly, you've seen my office. You know how I live. Cluttercore baby. Basically, everything in my life is powered by FrameBridge. I cannot <laughs> recommend them highly enough. Same. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to FrameBridge.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, to save an additional 15% off your first order. Again, just go to FrameBridge.com, promo code GALS. One more time, FrameBridge.com, promo code GALS. Treat your walls. Treat them. Hey, y'all. My name is Maggie Freeling. I'm a journalist and producer, and I'm the host of Unjust and Unsolved. And I want to tell you about my new podcast, Murder in Alliance, a real-time investigation into a case that is so bonkers, it's hard to wrap your head around. Everyone in this town seems to have some kind of secret or interest in this victim. 
whether it be drugs, sex, or both. I'll be teaming up with Jason Baldwin from the West Memphis Three and his organization, Proclaim Justice, to reinvestigate this murder from the ground in Ohio. If he slit her throat right here, there would be more blood on that on that sofa. We track down witnesses. You guys have got to understand what's at risk for me here. And even uncover massive police corruption. There were two officers that felt like their brotherhood, their staff, that could have been involved. This is the case of David Thorne and the murder of Yvonne Lane. Find and follow Murder and Alliance wherever you get your podcasts. Are we ready for my case? I don't know. Dun, dun. I'm rolling. Dun, dun. <laughs> so this case is bizarre and it made national headlines and is now my new irrational fear. I feel like I get one every episode we do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I usually I'm usually the one to give you a new irrational fear. Yeah, I gave it to myself this time. So Great. Please and thank you. Uh, I feel absolved. You are for now. For now. Um, the perp in this case was never named in the press and maintained his anonymity. And I'm not going to use fake names or anything because I found that the articles were super easy to follow even without names. So it's just not necessary. I also trigger warning. There is discussion of child sexual abuse in this case. It's an SVU episode. You kind of know what you're getting, but right. I just wanted yeah, to make that also clear. a wine and crime episode. Correct. Correct. So the story begins with a totally normal dude. It's early 2000s. He's I'm already four- suspicious. My, oh. Did you see my eyes narrow? Yes, yeah, like a totally yeah. normal dude. <laughs> I mean, be suspicious. Spoiler <laughs> alert, be suspicious. B-E suspicious. Be suspicious. B-E suspicious. <laughs> so this dude's 40 years old. He's married. He has a stepchild. This is a second marriage. He did not have children with his first wife. He doesn't, as far as I know, have any children of his own. He married a woman who already had a kid. He's a school teacher. He's an unassuming, innocuous dude. Before they getting his, are. they always are. Before getting his master's in education and becoming a teacher in 1998, he had also worked as a corrections officer and was clearly familiar with the law. He and his wife had been married for several years. He had no criminal record, and other than a pretty normal penchant for pornography, which like is subjective anyway. Since teenage boyhood, which, like, that could be any amount of porn, honestly. Any amount of porn is, like, normal for a teenage boy. He's he's able to hold down his jobs. Right. And enjoys porn. As long as it's regular of age consenting porn. Yes, he raised no red flags or and did not show sexual behavior that would be considered deviant, which I'm putting in quotes because that's obviously subjective. Let's say criminal. Right. Any, this is what was like in the articles. Right. Any sex acts between consenting parties of consenting age, fine by me. Who am I to say what's normal? I'm just painting a picture here. Please don't email. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've had a lot of Olivia Benson wine. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so something started to shift in him and like his sexual appetite seemed to sort of suddenly change. <gasps> Did he have a brain trauma? 40? Well, he's 40. So, he, you know, he's chalking it up to a, to midlife hormones. He adjusts his porn search settings. I think it some, sounds like brain trauma. Well, we'll get to it. Okay. Oh. To some more spicy stuff <laughs> and goes about his life. But this is not satisfying his sexual urges and they rapidly became more and more alarming. For the first time in his life, he searched child sexual abuse materials online. Ooh. 
Knowing this was completely wrong and illegal, former corrections officer, he built a secret library of these materials and kept these feelings secret from his wife. Alarming himself and hoping a taboo sexual release would get rid of the pedophilic urges, he also solicited sex work at massage parlors. This was also not enough, and unfortunately, he made sexual advances on his stepdaughter, who was around 10 or 11 years old at the time. It is unclear how far this went, but at a minimum, sexual molestation did occur. So there was touching. Was, I mean, you might not know the answer to this, but... I probably don't. Let's hear it. The age of the daughter relevant to his particular searches? I mean, yeah, he'd been searching for, like, Child, child sexual yeah. abuse materials. Right. I just meant like the and age. she's like, like 10 was, years old. I don't like know. Maybe but he never acted on it to her before because she was younger than his window. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what his window was. Right. I have no clue, but she is a child. Oh, That's yeah, all no, I know. I, of course. I'm just wondering. I don't know if there was synchronicity or whatever. Right. With that, with the searches. This is, yeah, this is, I'm, st- I'm still on brain trauma. Listen, camp. just let it unfold. Can't okay. a bitch paint a picture? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like Christ. to be suspicious. We like well, to be suspicious. We like to just give it all away. Great. <laughs> I love it. We don't know. We're guessing. I'm guessing. No. a good picture. I'm an Listen. audience. I don't know how it ends. After several weeks <laughs> of abuse, The child told her mother what was going on, and she, the mother, confronted her husband. He was evicted from their home, and she went went to the police. Good for her. Good, good. And an investigation uncovered his secret library of CSAM, and he was quickly arrested. Good. She didn't try to, like, dugger it. No, 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 no. It was like, bye-bye. Dug herself a hole. Dugger it deeper. At trial, he was ordered to participate in a sexual discussion disorder recovery program and was prescribed medroprogesterone, which is a medication that is commonly prescribed to folks with irregular menstruation. Medroprogesterone. Sure. But can also be prescribed to patients with sexual disorders because it lowers testosterone levels, thus lowering sexual drive without the side effects that other testosterone restricting drugs can have, such as increased quote unquote feminization. So like Swelling Oops. and sensitivity of breast tissue, et cetera. Right. I've had that before. The yeah. the medication. Great. Because my period so, wasn't regular. Not because yeah. I was one of them. I mean, <laughs> it's typically not prescribed to binary women who are sex offenders. Mm-hmm. This medication yeah. is also pretty commonly described to binary men in nursing homes with dementia. Because an unfortunate side effect of like dementia mm. is that there's an abundance of sexual urges even yeah. if even if the elderly individual doesn't have the capacity to fulfill those sexual urges mm-hmm. they still have the feelings mm-hmm. and they can be inappropriately taken out on staff residents and even family because, because they don't like, they don't know the context they they're in yeah. even people that like were not offenders beforehand the and would never do gone. that normally yeah. Yeah. I, so instead of like putting all these old people in jail, they're like, okay, we're just going to like suppress the sex drive. Well, it's right. not their fault. Right. It's chem- it's your chemistry is changing. Yeah. Right? I had a this friend. This is just another will, reason not to get old. I'm I had telling a friend you. who will remain unnamed, but this person was living with a grandparent who had dementia and they mm-hmm. had more than one encounter. And it's it was, a lot. Well, it's, it's really traumatic tough. from a 
yeah. person that you love. It's like your God bless grandma. our elder care workers. And if you're an unpaid elder care worker, God bless you too. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Aging yeah. is not cute. No, it's mm. not cute. So the medication and 12-step program were not enough to stop his urges, and he was kicked out of the program for making sexual advancements on members of the staff at the facility, mm. as well as the other clients in his program. Jesus, so he just, just like released. Really it's escalating. Can't control it. Yep. Out of control. Out of control. And failure to complete the program meant that he had to go to prison. This was the stipulation of his sentencing as a first-time offender. It was like, you do this. Or you go to prison. Mm -hmm. So the next step was for him to once again go before the judge and find out how long he would be in prison. But Making night- a sexual advance upon the judge. Yes, <laughs> probably. I mean, I think it was a male judge. So Can it's we like, work something out? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still, we're operating on the binary and he is yeah. clearly attracted to women. Binary females. Yeah. Yeah. But the night before sentencing, he burped. He's also so oversexed that maybe at this today. point it wouldn't really matter. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's out of control. He's out of control. Like, bottom line is he synapses is, are it's nothing's misfiring. making sense. He has no boundaries. Sex, 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 yes. sexual sex, sex apses. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the night before his sentencing hearing, he suffered from a severe headache and noticed that his balance was off. This could have been a stress-induced migraine. Dude is about to go to prison. You know, like whatever, but the pain was bad enough that he decided to go to the emergency room. While he was being seen by doctors, he opened up to them about the escalation of his deviant thoughts, that he was also experiencing suicidal ideation and fantasies of raping his female landlord. Medical staff noted that while treating him, he just urinated all over himself without like any shame or reaction. It just sort of like happened. Oh, my God. And he just like kept kind of going about his day. He also unabashedly tried to solicit sex from the female staff in the emergency room. I can only imagine how that went for him. Like, I've seen it all. Quit barking up this fucking tree. I'm sure that wasn't even the first time that day. No. Well, uh, by a dude covered in his own urine. Seriously, that, like, that, it's not funny, obviously, but that reminds me of back when I worked in the restaurant industry, I was walking to my car after a closing shift at a bar that I fucking hated working for. And they made us wear these like really explicit quote unquote uniforms. But anyway, walk into my car. I've got like $400 in cash shoved in my boot because that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost to my car when like out of nowhere, this dude just starts Mm -hmm. running at me. Running at you? Oh, yeah. I knew what was happening, but I I, like had my hand on the handle of my car. So I just got in my car, locked the door. And then as I was driving, I was so fucking irritated and my adrenaline was running (laughs) out of control. As I was like peeling out with my window down. I just went, you're not even the most annoying person I've dealt with today. And just drove away. And it's like, I was moments from assault and robbery. And I just was too irritated to like even process what was going on. I was so fucking annoyed that I had to like jog the last foot to my car after that fucking 12 hour shift. Your sass always surfaces to the top. It does. No matter what. In an emergency it just pops in. The sass. 
You're not even the most annoying person I've dealt with today. You scream out, out in my window as you peel out. Buick, my 95 Buick Regal Custom <laughs> that I had recently spray painted with gold glitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my God. I am not your target, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I didn't know that story. That's amazing. I feel for these nurses. She has so many stories. I've never heard that story either. <laughs> what is your life? I don't, listen, work in bars and restaurants yeah. for like a solid 15 years oh. and shit's going to go down. You know, you're there now. You're also you owe a one. magnet for The weirdos weird love shit. me. Yeah. It's a pheromone. It is. I'm proud of it. I'm not going to change. So it's anyway. It's an odor for sure. It's an odor. <laughs> so he also developed like an odd twitch like in his face while he was in emergency care. Oh, wow. He developed a noticeable limp and his ability to write seemed to disappear over the course of the evening. The All fuck? Right. Shit's going so down. They're yeah. suspecting that some that a neurological emergency is happening mm-hmm. here. Yeah. So doctors went over his medical history with a fine-tooth comb and other than like a likely concussion where he was knocked unconscious for a couple minutes during like a sports ball like a decade prior, mm-hmm. his medical history was completely clear. Nothing on it. Bizarre. So bizarre. So to be sure nothing is going on or to identify what is going on, the medical team ordered an MRI. A brain MRI. <laughs> a stand-up MRI. A sta- not a stand-up because he could not stand MRI. Sounds a really boring. comedic MRI. <laughs> Zach was like, these things are ticking off. <laughs> How are there this many stand-up clubs? Their flyers suck. Oh, <laughs> uh, comedy sports has really gone downhill. That cover is outrageous. <laughs> so this guy's scans would reveal an egg-sized tumor located in the frontal cortex of his brain. Ooh. And as we know from Lucy Seggs in previous episodes, the frontal cortex is responsible for our inhibitions and decision-making and largely responsible for our boundaries of morality and behavior. Yeah. There so doctors were able to remove the tumor, which was cancerous, and his behavior improved immediately. Within hours of waking from surgery, he was able to write. He could get up and walk without his limp within about a day. He had fully regained bladder control almost immediately, and most importantly, he didn't feel any of the previous sexual urges. That is wow. crazy. It just makes you realize that, like, and this My is new fear? <laughs> that I'm going to get a brain tumor, tumor and turn into a sexual predator? predator? Like I mean, overnight? It's possible. It is. It's it literally possible. It's literally possible. I know, but it just makes you think that like we don't have free will. Like we are no, seriously just No, no, no. Just We're just bundle. machines. Yeah, we are just nope. a bundle We're of flesh atoms. machines. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your synapses. All all you do, all of your decisions are based on previous experiences. It's chemicals and previous experiences. Yeah. It's it's just it's just previous experiences that like trained chemicals like where to go and how to fire. That's it. It's crazy. And then when a wrench gets thrown in that machine, you're fucking molesting kids. Like Jesus Christ! Every couple, every couple of years, I will go back and re-listen to the episode of This American Life, which I'm overdue for, about the guy who had Huntington's disease, yeah, and ended up, I think he killed his father. Oh, it's so. But in like the most ridiculous overkill 
Yeah. Like it was all a result of a of a brain disease, but he yes. like removed the fingers, mm-hmm. dismembered the body. And again, dead. that does not mean Imagine that anyone with Huntington's with is going to do that. Tumor in her frontal oh. cortex. Of course, he'd be, he'd be monster. dead. We'd a brain dead. tumor or brain trauma does not mean you're going to be a violent person. Of but course, it this doesn't. it doesn't. I was making a joke. And the Huntington's yeah. example and my inevitable brain tumor, which right. will that will kill in me extreme violence. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. We'll be dead. It's just, it blows the mind. It's so really, and then it's like, how do you get into like the consequences? How do you get well, into like his feelings of guilt? And we'll get to his it, kind stepdaughters of. stepdaughters. Yeah. Because yeah. she, she's still an assault that she experienced. Yes, yeah. it is. So he returned to the 12-step program because after like medical intervention and recovery from the tumor, the courts allowed him another chance to complete the program because now it's like, okay, these are extenuating circumstances, right. fucking obviously. Yeah. So he successfully finished the program. He seemed to be rehabilitated. He even reconnected with his wife. I don't know if they moved back in together, but like- He seemed to be he rehabilitated. began the long and certainly horrifying process of healing and reconciliation with his stepdaughter. But within a year of surgery, uh, his headaches returned. No. And he had begun searching for CSAM again. But uh, this time, he didn't wait to go to the doctor and explain that his symptoms were returning. So, like, he got these urges. He, like, did a couple of online searches and was like, oh, wait. It's back. He knew. It's back. I, got, oh. I have to go to the doctor. Goes to do another scan. Sure enough, the cancer is returning in the same spot where it had been removed. So he has he had another surgery. And his urges disappeared again. But still, so like at least you... this time it was oh. like, I know the warning signs, but it's like, how do we how, let go in every six months then? Because you're already starting to search for yeah. child which sexual abuse crime. material, which and, is a fucking crime and, 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 you, and, and hurting people. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. A, that is not a victimless crime. Right. You are perpetuating an industry. Right, right. That that creates a market for right. that. And right. if, if you now know. Right. Like if you without the tumor are aware right then you have to be proactive like if this uh, god forbid yeah if this happened to me i would be in every fucking day right being yeah. like i don't care i'll go bankrupt another scan like right. i can't i'm too scared well yeah. like you say a lot your sickness is not your fault but it is your it, responsibility it's your responsibility yeah. and now he knows that there tab. are severe consequences right. to this illness that he suffers It's from. destroyed his marriage, his relationship with a underage stepdaughter. Like it's it, it, he, his career. He, he what had, about his career? Wasn't he? Oh, uh, he was a teacher. No mas. Oh, no. Yeah. No mas. Big hard no. Yeah. We're assuming. Just, no, he, he, he was okay. fired. Okay. I mean, he, he was, uh, he was, arrested, tried, yeah. and convicted of child right, molestation. Right, okay. He can never work with children again. Okay. Like, regardless of... He he is a reasons. registered sex offender. Right. It doesn't matter about the tumor. Because, like, that's the thing. You have to mitigate risk. The tumor right. can come back. Clearly, it did. Well, you cannot work with children. It's like a lot of offenders who, you know, probably would have been fine, but they... Circumstances aligned in such a way in, like, their development that you know, kind of oh, made we'll them 
yeah. the way they are. You know, like it's kind of similar. It's just this is so it's it, this the is parameters a freak. are so clear that we're able to like yeah. more easily be like, well, it was you this tumor versus it. like it was the fact that he was like traumatized as a child and right. Exposed and to trauma blah, blah, blah. has physical impact on the brain. Right. Like yeah. that it is it is a physical change and a chemical change that happens in your brain as a result of trauma, which can cause this kind of behavior. Right. So this is from The Independent. Quote, scientists concluded that the tumor interfered with the orbifrontal cortex, nailed it, which helps to regulate social behavior and likely exacerbated his pre-existing interest in pornography. So not like anything out of the or who's not interested in pornography? I mean, come on, show me one. Right. We're wired and, to be interested in pornography unless you're exactly. asexual. And quote from this from the scientists, not from me, manifesting sexual deviancy and pedophilia. Doctors said that this was the first known case of pedophilia being caused by a tumor. The tumor had cast him into the fraught situation where he lost control of his sexual impulses while his knowledge of wrong and right was preserved. His only focus was short-term sexual reward, despite being acutely aware of the long-term consequences, end quote. So earlier, I didn't include this, but like in my research, it was like, okay, well, he knew what was right and wrong, but the drive, like the impulse was so strong that he wasn't able to morally override the impulse. Like it was still, he was at a crossroads where it was like impossible and he didn't fucking know what was going on. And it also sounds like, well, with the child sexual abuse images, it sounds like he was hiding it. He was. Because, again, he knew it was wrong. Right. He didn't want people to know. But with his stepdaughter, it doesn't sound like he had groomed her at all. No. And therefore, it, it probably was out made of the blue. Assault. Again, it was, it was it easier. It's like he was trying to mitigate harm with the CSAM. Which, again, does not mitigate no. harm, but this is what's going on in his now proven to be It doesn't mitigate brain. harm. It distances. Correct. Responsibility. So like, right. So he was, like, trying to curb these urges, and then it just, it escalated so quickly. I mean, this was happening over the course of, like, a handful of months. Right. Where out of the blue, this is happening. Where it, nothing like this had happened before with him. Well, I also think terrifying. That, that that could be the case with a lot of pedophiles i don't know this for sure but like having that ethical moral compass right and wrong if you don't have that at all that's a sign of soci of psychopathy but there are plenty of pedophiles who are not psychopaths well like the majority that, aren't yeah and I, we're kind of going to get to that in right. this next part so okay. most professionals agree with this diagnosis in this specific case citing overwhelming evidence that sexual disorder behavior most often begins before puberty because of the result often of a trauma or some sort of psychological pre-existing psychological disorder that may have gone undiagnosed and then escalates over time when it's left to basically run rampant without treatment. Whereas this behavior in this specific case was so sudden and recurring with the presence of the tumor. So those, that's like where the two big right. differences are. And other symptoms of a neurological disorder. Correct. Yep. Yep. The balance, and, the writing. And like so exactly. egregious. So mm-hmm. egregious. And obviously, sexual disorders, especially those that lead to child sexual abuse, are hard to accept and extremely hard to forgive. But it's worth noting that societal stigma is part of what keeps people 
suffering from sexual disorders from reaching out for help. Yeah, we've gotten like, emails about that. And yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's really hard not to villainize people who sexually abuse children. All I want to fucking do right. is have it be cut and dry, black and white. That is so wrong and so fucked up. Lock them away forever. I'm not absolving that behavior in any way. But we do need to allow people to seek help before it escalates in, in an environment where they will not be completely cast out for coming forward about their urges to like medical professionals who can help them mm-hmm. and then keep them from escalating to a point where they are seeking out, you know, child exploitation and abuse or yeah. actually coming into con- sexual abuse contact with a child. Yeah. I don't have an answer to this conundrum. Yeah. I really don't. I feel like that is a very, very tricky it is. line to walk and probably, you know, requires I mean, a lot more study and expertise. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a conversation that a woman named Dr. Sarah Good, who has committed much of her career to studying pedophilia, has been like pushing for a really long time, mm-hmm. emphasizing that the way patients with sexual disorders are treated medically does need to change. Mm-hmm. She says, quote, an important aspect of pedophilia for many people is that is that point when they first realize they have this involuntary sexual attraction. It is a great shock for many young people who feel horrified, shamed, disgusted by themselves, and suicidally desperate and lonely. They feel unable to reach out for help, and this is the point at which society needs to ensure that they have the key messages that help is available. Right. That, like, they're not the only people who have ever had these thoughts, and they're not doomed to become abusers, but can make moral choices to stay law-abiding. Right. And if, like, that, at least that access... Yeah, I think that's probably the line. It's like if you're having these thoughts and you seek treatment Mm -hmm. and do everything you possibly can to follow that treatment and admit if that treatment is not working. Yes. And I think that's where that line gets so boring. Before you take actions that are criminal. Yeah. Exactly. That it's just it's such a fucking hard conversation because like I said, I wish it were a more black and white issue, but it's just not. It's like not. these people, uh, nine times out of ten, are com- are ill, like are sick. And like Lucy said, your your sickness isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility to treat it mm-hmm. so that you do not harm others and you don't harm yourself. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't excuse any of the harm that no. you do commit. Fuck. No, uh, in fact, if you if you are like diagnosed with a sexual disorder and you are high risk of harming another individual, especially children, right. then you have to be so over the top careful, right? And like tuned in with your thoughts and feelings and your therapist and whatever. And it requires is needed. I'm sure it requires significant sacrifice oh. to make sure that you are preventing yourself from harming others. Correct. Yeah. Which is like we've gotten emails about like that island mm -hmm. where. Yeah. Where they send like serial sexual offenders. offenders. I think it's voluntary. I think they do there. I think they get sent there voluntarily. It's like an option. I talked about it really off the cuff because it was on an episode of Oprah. And I think a Mm. couple of people have emailed me since then. But the name of it is escaping me. It's somewhere off the north northwest coast of the u.s it's like a, sure. it's like an island and they are they don't have they, internet they don't have yeah. internet they're not allowed like like reading materials really mm-hmm. but they are they recognize that they are unable to right. resist further offenses so they right. volunteer to be to live there mm-hmm. so that they can yeah. just 
live well, their the lives. Al- what are the alternatives? Not either? imprisoned and not having a, right uh, incarceration know. or continuously harming yeah mm-hmm. other individuals. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you got to make the choice that's going to do the least amount of fucking right. harm. Yeah. Right. It's so, like I mean it. It's it's similar to alcoholism. Like mm-hmm. if you have the illness of alcoholism, having that illness is not your fault. But right. if you drive drunk, yeah, that's you could kill harm. someone. Mm-hmm. You're harming your. I mean, you're harming society even if you don't get in the an risk. Accident. The risk is too fucking high. Like yeah. it's just yeah. So this story inspired the Law and Order SVU episode head which i fucking hate the name head? of but i get it yeah because it's like something of that happened head. in their it should have been egg right egg oh would have been better it could have been a this lot is of season other five season five episode 25 if you'd like to watch it in the episode it was a female principal who molested a young male student as far as i could find in this case the man in this case did not sexually assault any of his students but again I don't know, because so much of this is, like, veiled in secrecy. It's also interesting that in the episode, they flipped the gender of the assailant, probably uh, to garner yeah. more sympathy. Mm-hmm. I also don't like that flippage aligned with the title, Head. I know. I don't like it's that. All, it's yeah, all... The title ooh. is really awful. I mean, there's a lot about Law & Order that's a lot... Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have another word I'm for it. I'm Cheryl. Fly ooh. me. Ooh. Get it together, dick wolf. Come on, dick. And also, since this guy remained anonymous, I don't have any photos for this case. So there are two. There's a screenshot from the episode. Nice. And uh, me Googling frontal lobe tumor and plopping that on the yeah. slash blog. So those are my photos. <laughs> I think that checks out. I agree. I hit every note. Mm-hmm. I didn't misunderstand the assignment. And... That is my case. Well nice. done. Oh, Isn't also, that wild? That is, that is so, it's so scary. And it really does like have so many implications for our justice system where like intent yeah. and like law and order criminal state competency has like so much bearing on <laughs> consequences. Yes. And punishments for folks when like it really is. There's so much about the a hundred years from now, they're going to look back at our system and be like, they thought, LOL, what? what were you thinking? Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I love cases that have to do with like fucking brain tumors and the Huntington's. Di- well, uh, when the I brain was is researching, so fucking wild. Yeah. I thought I would love this. And then I got halfway through my research and went, I'm never sleeping again. And I want to schedule an MRI, a preventative MRI. <laughs> yeah. A preventative MRI. A mammogram. An MRI. A mammogram, a pap smear, a preventative MRI. I'm like texting my doctor like yeah. Dr. Heather. Your, de- yeah. your annual <laughs> dental cleaning. Remember how the last time we had an appointment, you asked me what I did for work and I like explained, well, okay, well, yeah. I'm going to do Well, Miss, now I have a new request. Yep, and she's going to be like, cool. A preventative stand-up MRI. I need a preventative stand-up MRI. (laughs) Ladies night. I get migraines, (laughs) and I was going to just use that as an excuse to try Botox. You need to get an MRI, because I swear to God, if you have a brain tumor and you turn into a predator. (laughs) I certainly don't have any urges. (laughs) At all. Not a single urge. (laughs) I have occasional You do have migraines. migraines. And I I need to keep an eye on this bitch. Sauce. Sauce. <laughs> Soup <laughs> sauce. On that note. Hashtag sauce. Thank you. Special thanks this week to our fan picker, Jabby Muller. Uh, or Mueller. 
It's because of you that I will not be sleeping for the next several weeks. Oh, God. I won't be sleeping until I research whatever comes next, and then that will keep me up at night. At least I I have replacement therapy. It's only a matter of time. We're recording another episode tomorrow morning, so you'll only have this nightmare for... And my case tomorrow is real dark. 18 hours. Good. Oh, good. Great. great, Okay. Great. Great. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.